Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. ESPN.com's prospect guru, Kylie McDaniel. Kylie, always good to have you on the air here in St. Louis. How you doing? Doing good. I feel like an actual celebrity this time of year because everyone wants to hear what I think so they can yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, why do other people have uh, – well, let me put it this way. You have Jordan Walker – so uh, th- this is really going to be bad. Uh, you have Jordan Walker rated as the number 14 prospect in all of baseball. Why do you hate Jordan Walker? <laughs> <laughs> now, see, now, yeah, now it feels like I'm back on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> So the the thing that uh, happens with I'll say prospect lists, but also like evaluating young baseball players in general, and it's more true the further down the chain you go, down to you know sixteen, eighteen year olds uh, showcases or international signings, is when there is a question of if a player can play up the middle, and they are right handed hitter, uh, you then put more pressure on what they have to be at the plate. And the further away they are, the more margin for error there is. So if you're looking at like a 17-year-old first base only guy, it's like he better be the best hitter on the field by a mile for you to consider him, uh, you know, a first, second round pick, that kind of thing. So Jordan Walker is not that. I mentioned Pete Alonso in the comparison because I think at the plate, they are both big guys with huge power that have very simple right-handed swings. And there's not a lot of guys on earth that have like that combination of things that they could be all-star level potential and do that. The difference is Pete Alonso has always been, we'll say rotund to be nice. Uh, he's always kind of looked like that. Like I saw him as a sophomore in high school and I was like, that guy looks a little big to play third base. What are we doing here? Uh, Jordan Walker has not looked like that. Like that's where the difference is. And so the question with Jordan Walker is at some, various points of his career, because I mean, he's from, uh, I think the high school that my house is zoned for in Atlanta. So I've seen him for a long time is, is he one of these guys that, let's say like Miguel Cabrera physically, where once he gets to the big leagues and he's playing on a corner somewhere, does he just lean into hitting home runs and doesn't really care about defense at his position? I don't think that's the case, but that's obviously possible. That's the direction his body could go. Or does he do a version of like what like Lance Berkman did, where he actually played a pretty passable center, center field for a while and was always a pretty good athlete and kind of kept that together and gave him a little more mar- margin for error in what he is as a hitter. Because as a hitter, he's got massive power. He's a really good hitter. Uh, but there's a question of, is he going to get to all the power? Is the pitch selection going to be good enough? Is he going to lift the ball enough? There's like a little bit of a question there. But because he's so young and so talented, you don't worry about it. You just, again, have that margin for error. And what exactly is he going to be? And that's the part we don't know. But the fact that he could be that corner-only guy that maybe doesn't hit 30 or 40, you then get backed into that corner, whereas, you know, C.J. Cron wildly different? No, I mean, that's like a really low-end outcome for him, and so he slides to the back of the group of prospects in that, like, you know, 3 through 15 range that are all very similar for me. You have Jordan Walker lower than most people, but you have Mason Wynn higher than most people predict. What have you seen from him, and and what do you think of his ability uh, at the next level? Yeah, and Mason Wynn is like the exact opposite of that, mm-hmm. where he's a plus runner. He's definitely going to be a shortstop. He has maybe the best infield arm out of anyone in the minor leagues and almost anyone in the big leagues. 
and he gives you all that margin for error. He's always been, again, going back to sophomore, junior of high school, he's always been a guy that can play short stuff. He's got real bat speed. He's got power potential. I think he could be like a setup guy <laughs> as a reliever if he wanted to. Um, he's got all that stuff, and he's still a little raw. I wouldn't have him anywhere near a top 100 a year ago at this time. Hmm. And then he had a huge season, and that's the reason you bet on guys like that that are great athletes that have all the tools is if it clicks at any point, then it's going to become sort of a slam dunk. This guy's a big leaguer of some kind, and he could be that kind of you know average offense, uh, maybe solid average defense, uh, which doesn't sound like you know awe inspiring, but at shortstop, that's like an above average everyday player. You'd love to have that you know three three and a half WAR from that guy, and he might be in the big leagues this season. And so when once you sort sort of reduce down your top one hundred to the guys that can do those sorts of things, that's how you end up with him at twenty seven because you're like, well, there's not many guys that could be that that quickly. ESPN.com's Kylie McDaniel with us on one hundred and one ESPN. It's interesting that you note that about win in his season last year because John Moselock told us that the two players in the Cardinal system that made the biggest jumps last year were Wynn and Gordon Graceffo, who's up to 81 on your list. And I, I would think that you would agree that Graceffo's probably 81 with a bullet because of the way he performed, especially down the stretch last year. Yeah, and he's also intriguing because, and you see this a lot more often with pitchers than with hitters, is when a guy's arm speed jumps, like if he just goes from being like a pretty good pitcher at Villanova that was just sort of on the on the radar as a guy that's a good athlete with some arm speed, you know, nice little uh, little bet later in the in the draft, uh, to all of a sudden he's throwing hard, it's shaped pretty well, he's throwing strikes, everything's above average. Like when pitchers take that leap, they'll jump all over the place. So like the pitchers on the back half of a top 100 are almost entirely different pitchers every year because some guys will have their velocity go from you know 90 93 to 93 96. And then other guys will get hurt, and they just sort of all switch places. And Graceffo went from, at draft time, again, he was one of those guys that was like a nice bet to have if you get 10 of these guys, a couple of them end up being big leaguers. And just almost immediately before he even pitched in a pro game, he made the leap. And so he goes from, again, a bit of an afterthought to, oh, this guy's right there with Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson and all these guys that are just sort of knocking on the door at the big leagues. And so, yeah, going going from, oh, this guy's throwing hard in spring training. Like, maybe he'll be a guy. Like, maybe he's better than that, like, mid-round pick to, you know, trying to find a spot for him in the rotation. Uh, that That's that's a huge jump. And, again, if you get eight or ten of those guys, you're hoping one of them can do that. And he did it almost immediately after signing. Uh, another name that you have is Tink Hintz. You have him a little bit higher than MLB at 61. Uh, what do you think about his potential in the, at the next level? I know he's a few years away, uh, but he's a hard-throwing right-hander and, and seems like he has a lot of talent. What do you see from him? Yeah, he was a tough one because I, I liked him in high school. He was in that uh, COVID-shortened draft, so a lot of teams didn't even see him during the spring because he only pitched a couple times before everything shut down. St. Louis was one of them that was rumored to be looking at him in the second round. Uh, they get him uh, at the, at the uh, end of the third round. Um the the concern with uh, trying to rank him last year is he had thrown eight professional innings, and I thought it must be because he was hurt or something was wrong. And the Cardinals were just like, no, he hadn't pitched a whole lot. Uh, he didn't pitch a lot in 2020. We didn't want to try to ramp him up to throw in 80 to 100 innings. We were going to like, slowly ramp him up and like really do this right. And I thought that was like a little bit of a cover for like, well, maybe he's a little bit sore. Maybe he's not quite ready to throw strikes in pro ball. Like, I'm sure they're not telling me something, but I didn't have any bad information to go off of. And it turned out they were probably telling the truth because he was fantastic. And he's one of those guys that, again, the reason that he goes 63rd overall 
after not really pitch, pitching a little bit in the summer and not really pitching at all in the spring and not really being that polished, not necessarily throwing three good pitches all the time. Like the reason he goes that high is it's a silky smooth arm action. It's a plus athlete. It strikes. You can project command. He'll throw you a good breaking ball. He was hitting 96, 97 at times. And now he's throwing four pitches and is like his fastball is shaped to get swings and misses. He's throwing strikes with all four pitches. And after throwing 52 innings last year, it's like, all right, they're going to let him go like 80, 90, 100 innings. And he's definitely not getting to the big leagues this year. But at the end of this year, he might then be on that Gordon Graceffo program where it's like, all right, now we got to figure out what's the plan next year. If he keeps doing this, he'll be in the big leagues because you can't really deny that guy. But we then have to start 2024 with in mind, he might be in a bullpen down the stretch. Uh, like that stuff's like on the table now for a guy that had ba- barely pitched going into the season last year. ESPN.com's Kylie McDaniel. One more thing from me, Kylie, and it's in regard to Yvonne Herrera, who we were given the impression would be the heir apparent to Yadier Molina when Yadier retired. Then Herrera comes up last year, kind of looks overwhelmed at the major league level, and the Cardinals go out and give the big money to Wilson Contreras, who may or may not be a long-term catcher. But I want to know if Herrera's uh, future, his viability as a big league catcher, changed at all in your mind with last season? Uh, a little bit, but I would say not so much about not looking great in those 11 games in the big leagues, but more based on signing Contreras. Uh, being in Atlanta, I had some intel on the Braves that uh, the other Contreras, uh, William, and their top prospect, Shay Langoliers, I had heard that they did not totally trust them. Not that they were, weren't good prospects, but that they didn't totally trust them to be the 120-game catcher, handle the staff, all that sort of stuff. A uh, year and a half later, both of them have been traded, and they started signing other free agents and trading for Sean Murphy and doing all this stuff. So it seems like that intel was good. And again, it's not like uh, you know Oakland or Milwaukee uh, got outsmarted in those deals, because I think they think they can turn those guys into you know what they think they're going to be but that sort of is a little bit of what i'm feeling with herrera where it's it's not that he's not the guy that you think that he is because i think linglers and Contreras will be starters for those teams so they are you know real prospects that will turn into real everyday players which i think is what herrera is as well it's we don't think he's ready to catch 125 games in the big leagues and hit right now on a team that's going to contend that doesn't have that many holes so why don't we let him start in AAA, see if he can take that you know, backup role from Kisner, uh, maybe uh, on-ramp himself to be the catcher as Contreras maybe transitions into a you know, catcher first base DH, like that sort of hybrid role over the next couple of years. I think it's just a slower on-ramp because they don't want to hand him the job, him not be ready, and now they got to go find somebody else and demote him and put all, you know, another bad taste in his mouth. I think they're just being very careful with it as opposed to not thinking of him as the guy that we thought he would be. Hey, Kylie, there's one more name that I think constantly gets overlooked and, and came up last year. He was a top 100 prospect for the Cardinals. It's Alec Burleson. He only had, I think, 48 uh, plate attempts at last season. What do you see from him? And, and do you think that maybe we're overlooking him because more at-bats, more opportunities to, to really show off what he's able to do? Yeah, he's really interesting because he was uh, primarily a pitcher in college at East Carolina, and everyone thought he had a good swing. And, oh, he'll probably get, you know, he did throw that hard. He was like 87 to 91. So he's probably a hitter in pro ball. But, you know, maybe he ends up being a pitcher. Who really knows what he can do once he uh, focuses on one as, as opposed to both? Uh, and then he just, like, shot to AAA in his first full season. And, like, nobody really saw that coming. Uh, and so I think everyone was surprised in the same way with Graceffo, where it's like, oh, this is just a guy that's, like, a nice gamble to have. And then he becomes, you know, he gets on the radar, and he's like, this is a real guy. Uh, the concern with him is it's not massive power for a corner outfielder, and he's a little bit of a free swinger, but it's so good back to ball he wasn't really challenged by that until he got to the big leagues. Mm. Uh, So I think the question is, can he dial that in now that he is um, 
you know, at that level where his, his level of talent is being challenged by pitchers. Um, and also, like, a, not a real problem, but technically an issue to overcome with the Cardinals, it's so many good young hitters are working their way into the lineup, like Nolan Gorman and, uh, and Walker and Wynn and all these guys are kind of working their way into the lineup. Is he going to be able to find a spot to play, or does he need to go to AAA to get that regular playing time to continue to develop because he has fewer reps than most 24-year-olds do? So I think he's an intriguing uh, guy that has a chance to be sort of a low-end everyday player that you feel fine putting out there on an everyday basis, but there's a little more risk, and he's not quite as polished as you'd hope just given what his background is. Kylie McDaniel, one more thing. We have about 45 seconds, and like you've said, you've got boots on the ground in Atlanta and see the way they've treated and then signed so many of their young players. Based on your observations of the Cardinal Farm system in the next couple of years, should they take a similar approach, not only with the prospects that we're talking about, with people like uh, we mentioned Burleson. They, they've got Tommy Edmond, who's a young player. They bought, brought up Gorman and, and Yepes. Would it be a good thing for the Cardinals to take a similar approach to Atlanta as taken to try to keep this group together for a while? Yeah, I think so. And I think, like I said, with all these uh, young position players, uh, there's so many of them that I think once you get a full season, season and a half of a guy doing what you think he can do to then you know, approach him and his representation and be like, all right, there's three or four guys here that we really believe in long term. Let's see if we can lock them up to terms that make sense for us. Uh, and I think, you know, the same way with the rotation. There's, there's almost there's like not really an ace, but there's a ton of really good players. And so I think locking some of those guys up, trading the, the other ones and then filling in some holes and maybe getting that extra, you know, four or five, six win player to add to Arenado and Goldschmidt to try to get over the hump and really make a run at the NL that I think, you know, being scared of Atlanta and the mess of the Dodgers and the Padres is, is pretty scary. You got to take one more step. And I think this group of young players will be the key to making that step. Kylie McDaniel, we love your work at ESPN.com. We always like having you on the show here in St. Louis. Thanks so much for taking some time and I'm sure we'll visit again soon. Yep, thanks for having me. Take care. Kylie McDaniel, ESPN.com, and you can read his great work on the minor leagues and covering the minors. And by the way, he has a different group of five among his top 100. MLB had Walker, Wynn, Hentz, Graceffo, and Burleson. Kylie doesn't have Burleson in his top 100, but he does have Herrera at number 89.